Thanks for joining us for this inspirational teaching by Pastor Jeffrey Smith, Senior Pastor of City of Life Church. For more information on City of Life, visit www.col.tv. Let's join the service already in progress. I believe in the best for you in 2019, uh, and I think that this series might be a big part of it. It's called, it is called God Talk, and uh, we're going to kick it off today, and for the next several weeks, we're going to dive into the subject of prayer, and uh, today I'm going to start with uh, the why of prayer. Uh, why do we pray? The why of prayer. So Father, thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your love. Thank you for a person that's here today. Bless this message. Uh, let it be touched by heaven. Let our hearts be completely open to receiving it. Help me deliver it in a way that honors you. And Lord, give Jerry Jones of the Cowboys, the Patriots anointing, to build a dynasty uh, in the modern era, the way there was in the 70s and the 90s. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 6, verses 5 and 6, says this. It says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So before I get to the back half, think about it for a second. Jesus is giving us an example of ineffective prayer. So we can see through this example alone that there is a type of prayer that does not please God at all. It's a showy kind of thing when you put on a show for other people. Uh, you cannot judge a person's spiritual depth by the way they perform on the outside. Uh, there are a lot of very powerful people in the spirit who are very meek and humble and unassuming. And you cannot judge somebody's spiritual maturity by simply what you see on the outside. I mean, you could be like, oh my gosh, have you heard Kevin pray? He's amazing. Uh, well, Kevin may have all kinds of things that you don't know about going on in his life. You can't really tell by someone on the outside why. Because he says, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But listen to this. It says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So it's contrasting a type of person that wants to pray so that others recognize their spiritual depth with a person that gets real prayer, which is spending time in the presence of God away from other people, no one watching, no one noticing, no one saying, good job, Jeff. Sounds like you really stormed heaven in that one. No, no, no. It's about you and the Lord face-to-face, one-on-one, by yourself. That's what real prayer is all about. And I'm going to tell you something today. The Christian life is a life that starts from within. Many other religions, almost every other religion as a matter of fact, has to do with some external thing that you do that, that, that catapults you forward into that religion. Well, the Bible tells us that it is by grace that we've been sa- we have been saved through faith. Faith is what brings us to God. If you believe, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We are saved by faith alone. Can I get an amen from somebody? We are saved, but we are not saved because of some external thing that we do. In that scripture that talks about that we've been saved by faith, it's a, it's, it's, it's a gift that's given to you by faith so that no man can boast. 
Everyone likes to brag on all the amazing, wonderful things that they have done for society. Oh, I've done this, and I helped this person, and I did that. Well, you know what? That is wonderful. We should help people. We should be kind. But what this is teaching us is that when it comes to God, you have been saved by faith, and that faith that has been given to you is a grace that is given by God. We are saved by faith and by faith alone. So we have to live lives of faith. When I say give the Lord a praise, let's get a sound of faith, let's get an atmosphere of faith. We want to do things that build our faith. So why pray? Why prayer? I'll tell you one reason right now, because prayer is about faith. Prayer builds faith. Prayer is staying in the realm of faith. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Whatever you ask for in prayer, raise your hand if you want an effective prayer life. Come on, raise your hand if you want an effective prayer life. All right, if you want, if you want an effective prayer life, then believe you have received what you prayed for. It is so simple. This scripture is so simple. What it's essentially telling us is that most of the time when you pray and you don't get what you're asking for, you're not really believing for what you're asking for. You're wishing. Can I tell you something? Stop wishing in your prayer life. Oh, I wish that I would get a raise. I wish that my husband would be nicer to me. I wish that I could have a new car. I mean, and this is like the way that we pray. It's like a wish or, or, or it's, it's powerless because it's not really about faith. Maybe it's not just in the wish realm. Maybe it's in the uh, remembering things and memorizing prayers and reciting prayers like they're a magical formula out of a Harry Potter book or something. I mean... Uh, Prayer is not Wingardium Leviosa, and then something starts floating. It's not saying the right connected phrases. That's, and some people do that because they're raised in an uber, like, traditional uh, religious atmosphere where you've got to memorize liturgies and prayers, and you start, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want to make me to lie down in great pressures. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come, the wood down on us, this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, and we forgive us. I mean, you're going through this entire thing, you're like, there, I prayed. Well, hold on, I just said, why pray? Because prayer is about faith. Prayer, true prayer is born out of faith. It comes from a place of faith. It's not just reciting something. It's not just wishing about something. It, it, it's, it, it comes from a place of belief. James 5.14 says, Is any of you sick? He should call on the elders of church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered up in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up. The prayer offered up in what? Come on, are you here today? The prayer offered up in what? Okay, look at someone next to you and say, I need you today. Come on, we've got to get excited here. Come on, say, stay with me. Say, we've got to get this thing crunk. Hannah, have you ever said crunk before? Is that the first time? I like that. I like that. You look good saying crunk, i got to admit. I wish I could have filmed that. you got to stay with me. you got to get this thing going today. Come on, I need, I need you today. It's got to be about faith. It's got to be about faith. Your prayers have to be full of faith, believing that God is at. How many times do we pray for things that we don't believe? A lot. We can pray a lot. Lord, help my marriage. We're like, he ain't going to help it. That joker messed up. Even he can't face that. Lord, help it in Jesus' name. Help it. And you're inside. You're just, I mean, you're, 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 you're like canceling everything you're praying for because you don't even believe it. Don't ever let somebody pray for you that has no faith. 
You say, well, I take all the prayers that I can get. You better be careful because some prayers might be filled with unbelief, and that unbelief will get on you if you don't protect yourself. You need to get around people that have faith. Don't get around people that just look like they have faith. Get around people that have some faith. You say, well, the only person I know that, got, that has faith is this one grandma that lived next to me. Then you need to go have dinner with granny. You need to get around some people that have some real faith. Get away from all the people that pretend to have faith and get around the people that actually have some faith. Prayer is about faith. You know what else prayer is about? Why pray? Because prayer is about humility. It is about humility. There is something about us as human beings that when we pray, it reminds us that we are not the center of everything. We are not the point of everything. That there is a God in heaven that is above us. We remind ourselves when we pray, when we say, Lord, I love you today. I thank you today. Thank you for creation. Thank you for all you've done. We want to put ourselves at the center of the universe. And we do it every single day if we don't put ourselves in our place through prayer and realize, wow, this is not all about me. It's about you. We need to humble ourselves in prayer. Why prayer? Because prayer is about humility. Luke chapter 18, verse 10 says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee who was a religious leader of the time, dressed in a very religious outfit, carried himself in a very you know, a religious posture everywhere he went. He had to stay above reproach in every way and, and people respected him and he demanded respect everywhere he went. He's a Pharisee. The other is a tax collector who was one of the most hated types of people in Jewish culture because it was very customary for tax collectors to work out backdoor deals with government officials and to charge people more taxes than they had to pay and say, hey, if you don't give me this extra 10%, I'm going to have you thrown in jail. So he'd give 5% of that extra to the guard and take 5% of himself. And there was nothing anybody could do about it because they would get in trouble. So tax collectors were very low on the totem pole culturally. So you've got a religious guy and the lowest of the low, both that are going up to pray to the temple in prayer. And it says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like all of these other losers. He didn't really say losers, but this is what he meant. These other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers. Why do I sound like a Disney villain right now? Or even this tax collector. And he looks at, he, he literally sees the tax collector he sees him and goes, even this tax collector, he sees the guy and he's elevating himself above the lowest of the low, bragging to God. Now he does something completely ridiculous, which is sometimes what we do when we come to God and we want to remind God of how amazing we are. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I have, which is letting us know, first of all, that your spiritual disciplines don't make you spiritual. Uh, even, your spirit, even, even your religious obedience, tithing alone is, is not going to get you to heaven. Tithing alone doesn't get you anywhere with God. If it's, these things are not a heart issue. Do you know how dumb it is to remind God of how awesome you are? It's like, what are you going to do? It's like, let me remind you, God, I have not missed a Sunday of church in 14 years, including Super Bowls. It's like, what, what, do, you, what do you think that he is going, is he going to go, oh, I don't know if he talks like that either, but like, uh, wish granted. I don't know what, what you think that he's going to do, 
but reminding God of how awesome we are when he's the one who created us. And the Bible says he loved us when we were yet sinners. So this guy is gaining nothing with God. He's, he's bragging to God about how awesome he is. But listen to this. On the other hand, this guy that's the lowest of the low. This story should be flipped. The lowest of the low. This tax collector says he could not even look up to heaven. He is so humbled by the grace that God has shown him. He's, just the, he's done the worst things in the world. He can't even look up to heaven. It said he beat his chest and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The role should have been reversed. It should have been the tax collector saying, look at me, I've got all the money, I've got all the influence. And the Pharisee, who's a religious man, could say, I don't deserve any of this, God. You've given me influence, you've given me the ability to encourage people for your name, but how can you use me? I'm nothing. It should have been the opposite. But here we have this guy who is nothing, who is a nobody, who's beating his chest, saying, God, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. And Jesus goes on to say, who do you think went home justified before God. This man, the second man, is the one who went home justified. So what it's telling us is that there is power in humble prayers. There is power in humility. When we come before God in humility, come on, we have to learn how to admit that we can't fix all of our problems. We have to run to God in prayer. We have to collapse in the arms of God in prayer. That's why the Bible says, therefore let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What is the throne of grace? Imagine the throne of God. Imagine the throne of God. What a holy place that is. I mean, you would be, to be even be in the presence of God, you couldn't even look upon him. It's saying, therefore, let us come boldly. It means let's march right up to the throne and go, God, I need you right now. I can't fix all of this. I need your help. I heard this story of an early 20th century preacher who was in the English countryside. And the deer hounds in the country were chasing down a deer for sport. And so he's, there's these rolling hills and he hears the barking, he knows what that is. So he says like he goes over on this little crest and looks down and across this open field comes this tired little fawn who is about to give up the fight and is about to be eaten by all of these hounds. And so the guy is just like in awe in an amazement of this whole thing and he kind of just like bends down to watch everything unfold. This fawn sees him bend down and runs to him and nestles underneath his legs. So he's got these hounds that are coming toward him. He said, for whatever reason, when that little fawn came up against me like that, he said, I wrapped my arms around that deer and I fought off every single one of those dogs, and I would not let those dogs touch that deer. And he said, I would have fought every dog in the world if possible. Why? Because the weakness of that fawn in that moment appealed to my strength. Imagine what God does when we are being chased by hell on every side. We're being chased by our past on every side through that field. And we come running 
And we stop pretending that we can figure everything out. We stop pretending that we can fix everything. And we see our Father God observing the whole situation. And we run to God. And we, and we don't go, hey, help me fight these guys. We just collapse into his arms and go, God, I can't do it. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm weary. They're about to get me. I'm going to tell you something. If a man would fought out, fight off a bunch of dogs to save a deer, how much more would your Father God fight off every demon in hell to keep you safe and to make sure that you're going to be okay? He loves you today, but you've got to collapse into his arms. You've got to collapse in his, into his arms. A deer isn't made for fighting. Stop trying to fight a fight that you weren't meant to fight. And you, you let God fight for you. That's what prayer is. Why prayer? Because prayer is about humility. Why prayer? Because prayer is about obedience. Prayer is it, it's just simply about obedience. It's not, it's not a personality trait. I'm not talking about people that are temperamentally predisposed to like a meditative life or something like that. If you're just a person that likes to wake up in the morning, you just naturally, I'm not talking about that. There's an aspect of our prayer where we do it because God tells us to do it. It's obedience. We develop character and maturity spiritually in our life when we live a life of obedience. We do what God says because he says to do it. And so you go, well, what does that mean practically? Well, do it every day, first of all. How about you start in the morning? If you're looking for practical examples, let's say you have no prayer life right now, other than football games or something, like when you're losing, or, or, or just like, you know, you're walking through a dark alley or something like that. That's your only prayer life. Okay, well, rather than just going, I don't know how to do this, where do I start? Number one, why don't you just start making a decision that every single day when you get up, you're going to spend a minute praying. Okay, just, and it can be a minute. And if you're here today, you're like, oh, if they don't pray an hour, they're not spiritual. Just, can you just be quiet? I mean, if you're, you know, apparently you have already reached the pinnacle of, of you know, faith. And you, since you're up on Mount Sinai with the glowing presence of God on your face, uh, just relax a little bit and give some other people a chance to find out what it means to take a step of faith forward. Uh, so you're saying, are you trying to say, tell people to pray for a minute? Yes. If they've never prayed for a minute, yes, I am saying right now, pray for one minute and see what happens. You, you watch what happens in 60 seconds. Tomorrow, if you make up and you make a decision in your life, if you've never prayed a prayer before, you've never consistently prayed, if you wake up tomorrow morning and you turn on a timer, you say, I'm going to pray for a minute. And for that minute, you go, God, I love you today. I worship you today. I don't really know too much what to say, but I'm just grateful that you've been faithful to me. You've never given up on me. Lord, go before me to day. Help, give me the words to say. Help me not be angry with people. Help me speak kindly to other people, Lord. I don't want to make decisions that I've made in the past. I want to be better than I was before. Jesus, you died for me. You gave everything you had, Lord, so I could reflect your character and your nature. So just help me, God. Be with me today, and I want to spend more time with you. I want to have a hunger for your presence, and I love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. That's about a minute. That's about a minute. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you may need an hour, but all I know is when I pray for a minute, you know what it does? It makes me want to pray for another minute. I want to get in the presence of God. Learn how to get in the presence of God out of obedience. And you know what that's going to do? That's going to lead you to the next thing. Why pray? Because prayer is also about communion. It is literally about communion. It's about learning what the presence of God feels like. You need to get the sweetness of God on your attitude. I'm going to say that till everyone says amen. You need to get the sweetness of God on your attitude. Okay? Who spilled cereal? (laughs) 
fingerprints on my car. <laughs> can you imagine, can you imagine waking up, reading your Bible, spending a minute in prayer, even one minute, and Father, I love you today. Bless you. Help me, Lord. Help me use the right attitude. And just be with me, Holy Spirit. I just I don't deserve it. It's like that guy in the Bible. I don't deserve it. But thank you for being with me in Jesus' name. Amen. Who spilled cereal? <laughs> Can you imagine? Who would do that? That's not going to happen. I'm not saying you'll never make another mistake. Who got fingerprints on my car? Can you imagine that? How, how awkward, how ridiculous is that idea? You need the sweetness of God on your attitude. You got to get the presence of God on your attitude. That's what communion is all about. Prayer is talking to God. Reading the word is having God talk to you. Even aspects of prayer, having God talk to you. But can you imagine if, if I mean, can you imagine... Someone that says, you know, I want the greatest marriage in the history of marriages. <laughs> Ever. But I don't want to talk to my wife. <laughs> and I don't want her to talk to me. <laughs> can, you can you imagine that? Isn't that ridiculous? Like what? Is, I mean, so it's the same kind of idea. It's like, God, I want you to answer every prayer that I pray. Anything I wish for, do it, or I'll be mad at you. But I don't want to pray, and I don't want to read my Bible. Amen. It's like, I don't want... I, I don't, as ridiculous as it is to imagine having a marriage, you don't want to talk to your wife, you don't want her to talk to you, but you want the greatest marriage in the world. The same kind of idea as a Christian. I want you to answer everything that I wish, but I don't want to pray. I don't want to talk to you. And I don't want you talking to me. Just do everything I want. No, that's not going to work. It's not going to happen like that. Communion is about learning what God is like. Learning his presence. Learning his spirit. Learning his attitude. Getting his attitude over your attitude, changing your attitude, bending your will to his will. Jesus in the garden said, I don't want to do this, but nevertheless, it's not my will, but your will. So it, 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 why, why prayer? Because prayer is about communion. And then my last point that I'll make today is why prayer? Because prayer is also about the kingdom. There is a power that comes through prayer that gives you a, a glimpse, a God glimpse of what his kingdom looks like and how to have the confidence to step out. If you live a powerless life spiritually, it's because you're not living in prayer. If you feel completely helpless to situations when you get in circumstances and you just don't know what to do, you're just sort of deer in the headlights, it's just because you're not a person of prayer. And I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying you don't, that's something you, you could make a decision today. I'm going to be a person of prayer. I'm going to do what Pastor Jeff said. I'm going to pray an hour. I'm going to pray a minute in the morning. I'm going to pray a minute before I go to bed. You know what? You got the morning prayer. That's good. Lock that down. You got the evening prayer. But you know what? You might need something else. And sometimes we need this one right here. This is the one where you're at work and somebody says something to you and you almost cuss. And that's when you go in the, that's when you go in the bathroom stall. You go, can you excuse me for a minute? 
And you go in the bathroom stall and you lock that thing. You go, oh, Father, God, in the name of Oh, in the name of Jesus, oh, Father, I'm not who I used to be. Oh, fill me with your hope. Fill me with your goodness. Let me go back out there and mm, carry the kingdom with me. Oh, hallelujah. These are called emergency prayers. These are called emergency prayers. So you need to the minute in the morning. You need the minute in the night. And you better lock, lock down them emergency prayers, too. And, and when you're living that life, when you're living that life, Man, you develop this confidence about the kingdom. You're able to chime in when people are talking about, you know, faith. You say, yeah, man, I prayed for that last night. If you got nothing invested, you're not going to be in the conversation. But if you got, if you got something invested, you want to be a part of it. So this last one, man, I, I feel like we could really go deep into this last one because it's really cool. Uh, but I wanted to start out the series with this, this concept and this idea because I think many times we have judged prayer as a whole maybe on previous things that we've prayed in our life that did not come to pass so we've sort of written off aspects of prayer because we didn't understand why our prayers weren't answered okay so I think this really speaks to it very well from a theological perspective so I'm going to read in closing Revelation chapter 5 and before I do I want to warn you a little bit the book of Revelation is called a revelation of Jesus Christ. And John is actually seeing a vision of the future, of what the end times is gonna look like. And he's seeing all these really massive, massively cool epic scenes with all this, almost like Lord of the Rings kind of imagery in heaven. I mean, Lord of the Rings is sort of based on some of these ideas. All these big epic things are based on these ideas that come out of the book of Revelation. Jesus on the throne, angels all over the place, God executing judgment on the world, the saints being saved, and all this cool stuff. So in that, that's what, you're going to hear some of that. Don't get freaked out or thrown off by this. But this is what the end is going to look like. In Revelation chapter 5, John says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. By the way, the lamb that John is referring to is Jesus. The Bible calls Jesus the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. So that means that the sacrifice that Jesus gave in one sense was given before there ever was an earth. It was just going to happen. He was the savior of humanity. So he sees Jesus in this vision, in an illustration that he's a lamb, and he sees these angels and the elders of the church that are standing around Jesus. And it says, he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So Jesus takes this scroll from God the Father. It says, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. They're worshiping Jesus. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense. Somebody say golden bowls full of incense. Anybody ever smelled incense? It smells fantastic. You can smell that cinnamon, all that stuff. So it's like, ooh, that smells good. So in this scene, they're in the throne room. At the end of time, Jesus is standing there. These elders are holding these golden bowls full of incense. Look at the next phrase. Which are the prayers of God's people. Your prayers are an incense to
to God. Hold on, hold on, hold on. They're an incense to God, whether they are answered or not. And not only are they an incense to God, it pleases him to hear you pray. Even if your prayers are not answered the way you think they should be, your prayers are like burning incense in heaven. And not only is the individual aspect of your prayer pleasing to God, but they're contained in these bowls. And I got news for you. When you pray and you pray, these bowls get full. Later on in the book of Revelation, the Bible says that God gives the command and those bowls are poured out on the earth. And God's judgment and justice is executed on the earth through these holy, righteous prayers collectively that have been prayed by every Christian that has ever prayed a prayer. So there is a collective aspect of every prayer that you pray that is filling up those golden bowls that eventually lead to justice being established in the world. So stop judging your prayer life on prayers that you've prayed that didn't work out the way you thought because there's an obedience aspect to prayer. There is a sweet incense to prayer. God is touched and moved when you pray. And I just want to ask you today, will you please stop being so tough in your life? And will you please become like that fawn that is running to your father? You know, as a man, you know, it's not like I want to come to church and be like, yeah, what'd you learn in church? Well, I learned I need to be a fawn. I need to be a baby deer. I get it. I understand. I understand. But, but actually, what that, what that is teaching us today is teaching us that no matter who we are, strong men, strong women, whoever, that what Paul says is that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. It means let my, let my, let my weaknesses be exposed to God. When I feel like I can solve everything through my own means, let me humble myself and let prayer be the means by which I humble myself. Let me stop trying to make it all about me. Let me bow my knee. Let me close my eyes. When I've looked through the Bible, I can't find biblical excuses to close your eyes. Well, just be quiet. Just to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. I mean, just, the, 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 I mean, the tax collector says he couldn't even lift his head up lift his head up, couldn't even look at God because he's so humbled by God. Just humble yourself in the presence of God. Stop trying to fight when you just need to collapse. Just collapse into his arms. Humble yourself. Let him be your strength today. And let's kick off this whole God talk series from, from a place that is real and genuine where we want to learn how to pray honestly to God, effective, real prayers. I'm not talking about these huge spiritual prayers. Isn't it weird, like, if you've ever heard someone pray publicly and they talk, you know, like me or something, and then they get up and they go, Father God of heaven that rules and reigns on high, oh, we enter your presence with gladness in our hearts and souls for all thine has done for us. It's like, how did you just flip into that mode? It's like, there's nothing innately holy or spiritual at all by changing the tone of your voice when you pray or changing your vocabulary when you pray. Be yourself today. Be who God has called you to be, the broken person that was in need of redemption. 
God will use your authenticity in that way in powerful ways. Stop comparing yourself to people that sound spiritual or look spiritual. We see from the Bible, you can look spiritual and not be spiritual. Let's come to it from a place of of, uh, genuine desire to know God, to pray powerful prayers, and to see God just do something in our church. I believe he's gonna do something in our community. I believe that this is a word that God is speaking to our nation. I believe it's a word God is speaking to our church. I believe it's a word that God is speaking to you. And I believe it's a word that God is speaking to me. So I wrap my heart around it today and I hope you do so as well. We hope you enjoyed this teaching by Pastor Jeffrey Smith. You can be a part of what God is doing here at City of Life by clicking give at www.col.tv or by texting a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. Thanks for joining us.